This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Monday, January 20th, 2020. On this day in 1981, 52 American hostages were released from Iran after being held captive for 444 days. The Americans were taken prisoner after student protesters stormed the United States Embassy in Tehran at the start of the Iranian Revolution. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for children under 13. Today we're covering the release of the remaining 52 Americans in the Iranian hostage crisis. Let's go back to the capital city of Tehran on January 20th, 1981, around midday. Colonel Chuck Scott sat in a room with a few other hostages. He didn't exactly know where he was in Tehran. It had been months since the U.S. compound was overrun, when they'd been blindfolded and paraded around in front of the television cameras. He remembered that first horrible month after their capture, when he and several others were tortured. His captors wanted information regarding the United States and their support of the Shah, the recently exiled leader of Iran. But none of the hostages had much information to give up, and even what they did know, they wouldn't give willingly. Still, their captors persisted, repeatedly beating them. In one disturbing incident, hostages were told to strip naked and kneel in front of their detainers. Their captors pulled out their guns and aimed them directly at the hostages' heads. They asked each of them questions about U.S. intelligence information. When the hostages had no information to share, they feared that they would all be killed. Some closed their eyes and waited for the end. Instead, what they heard next was the hearty laughter of their captors. They put away their guns and told the terrified hostages to get dressed. They said it was nothing more than a joke. After the month of torture was over, Colonel Scott and the other hostages were separated from one another. They were taken to different locations all over the city in an effort to make rescue more difficult. They were usually held in small groups, around five to a room, but could be placed in solitary confinement if their captors wanted to prove a point. Colonel Scott once spent four months locked in a room all by himself. Life as a hostage was monotonous, and the days began to drag as the ordeal went on. Scott and others quickly realized that they could all be held captive for a very long time. From his military training, Scott knew that forming a routine was key to surviving the doldrums. It was critical to keep your mind sharp. 
Scott did all that he could to keep his mind engaged day after day. He thought about complex math equations and played simple memory games. He often tried to remember everyone he went to school with and place them in their correct seats in the classroom. This went on for months, and as more time passed, the more desperate the hostages became for freedom. Tensions ran hot, and arguments broke out over the smallest inconvenience. Some started to believe that they didn't have another option for freedom except to die. On their 444th day in captivity, Scott and the others were going through their daily routines when their captors entered the room and demanded they stand up. Scott had no choice other than to oblige their request. They put a blindfold on him and his world went dark. They slowly led him out of his room and then out of the building. Scott and the others were rounded up and put on a bus. He and the others were still handcuffed as they sat down in their seats. They all waited in silence. As the bus wound its way through the streets of Tehran, Scott could sense the others around him, but didn't know who they were. Their captors went down the aisles, unlocking their handcuffs one by one, and told them not to talk. As the bus pulled to a stop, one of their captors instructed them to take off their blindfolds. Scott finally saw his fellow hostages, some for the first time in over a year. Despite their captor's orders, they all got up and hugged one another. Then they realized where they were, Meherabad Airport. They got off the bus, walked across the large expanse of tarmac, and boarded an Algerian Airlines plane. They were still hesitant as they took their seats, the hostages knew that deals could change on a dime, and it wasn't the first time that their captors had toyed with them to break them down. Even as they lifted into the air, they were filled with dread. Scott worried that they would be shot down by a surface-to-air missile from a rogue faction of the revolution. Most had come to believe that the Iranians would never let them leave. It was a tense few minutes. Each second that passed was a second farther away from Tehran, but it could also bring disaster. Each slight jolt of the plane could mean that it was all over. It was only when the captain got on the intercom of the plane to tell them that they had left Iranian airspace that they felt that they were safe. They were on their way to West Germany, and a few days later, they would be back home in the United States. Next up, we'll hear about some of the behind-the-scenes details that led to the hostages' release and why they were being held in the first place. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On the morning of January 20th, 1981, just hours before he was to relinquish the office of the president, 
Jimmy Carter sat in the Oval Office with his ear pressed to a yellow telephone. He was doing his best to finalize the deal that would set the hostages free. The Iranian hostage crisis had been a stain on his presidency, making him appear weak when it came to foreign relations. For the majority of the American people, every day that passed without the hostages home was another day of failure for his administration. Now, finally, President Carter had a tentative deal in place to get the hostages back. All of this was the result of decades of policies crafted by previous administrations to keep Iran and their vast sums of oil under control. In 1953, the United States helped to stage a coup against the democratically elected Prime Minister of Iran, Mohammad Mossadegh. The Prime Minister oversaw Parliament and acted as the voice of the people, while the Shah, Mohammad Reza Pahlavi, acted as the king. Mossadegh saw foreign governments as entities who were taking advantage of his people and their resources. In an effort to combat this, he tried to nationalize the country's oil supply. This angered the British, who owned several oil fields in Iran and believed they were losing their property. The United States tried to craft a deal that allowed Britain and other foreign entities to retain at least 50% ownership, which the Iranians were favorable toward. However, the British refused this agreement, and the coup plan was put into place. Mossadegh was removed from his position as prime minister by the Shah, replacing him with a general who was loyal. Mossadegh was sentenced to prison, and many of his closest confidants were tortured or killed. The Shah allowed foreign interests to maintain control over their assets, and they, in turn, supported his assertion of control. As the years wore on, the Shah became increasingly oppressive, arresting thousands of political prisoners and implementing a secret police. However, unrest grew out of these policies, and by February of 1979, Iran was in a state of revolution. The Shah fled the country. He'd previously been diagnosed with cancer, but kept the matter private. While in exile, he asked the United States to allow him into the country to seek treatment. President Carter was hesitant at first, but was pressured to relent by several senior foreign policymakers, such as Henry Kissinger. On October 22, 1979, the Shah arrived in New York City to receive treatment. On November 4, 1979, students who supported Ayatollah Khomeini gathered outside the American embassy in Tehran. They protested the United States' care of the Shah, who they viewed as a violent dictator. But what started as a peaceful protest escalated as several of the students scaled the walls of the compound. Soon, it became a riot, and those working in the embassy were captured. The Carter administration worked for years to help secure the release of the hostages. They even launched a covert mission to save them, However, it failed and resulted in the deaths of eight service members when their helicopter crashed in adverse weather conditions. Jimmy Carter worked up until the final moments of his presidency to ensure the hostages made it home. However, it wasn't until minutes after Ronald Reagan was sworn in as the 40th president 
that the hostages finally left Iranian airspace. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out ParCast Original, Hostages. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 